InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. You might think that overeating is the main reason so many Americans are overweight. But what's behind the overeating? InfoTrack's Taryn McCall talks to an expert. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. It's pretty hard for the average American to get through the day without hitting a convenience store, fast food place, or vending machine for a meal on the go. And our food choices are making us fat. Our guest today is Hank Cardello, co-author of Stuffed, an insider's look at who's really making America fat. Just how inside were you in the food service industry? Well, I had a chance to work with some pretty fine companies like General Mills and Coca-Cola. So clearly, uh, we were with some pretty large companies that are making decisions that influence everything that America's eating. You say that food service providers are more about profit than providing good nutrition. Well, I think most of them historically have been that way. I mean, when I first got in the business with a General Mills, we didn't have the problem of obesity. I mean, America was not tipping the scales back then. It's really been the last decade and a half that the obesity numbers have gone through the charts. I mean, 1990 was about 14% obesity. Now it's over 30%. And two-thirds of Americans are either overweight or obese. And what would you say is the main culprit for that? Well, unlike other opinions that are out there, I really think we all contribute to it. I mean, anywhere from the food companies making these oversized portions, if you would, the consumer who's demanding value and taste and those large portions. So we have our culpability there, too. But it even gets further compounded when you throw in, for instance, the government and the regulations. I mean, a lot of the programs that they've come up with to attempt to improve our nutrition really haven't worked very well. I mean, anything from nutritional labeling, you know, on the side panel of your cereal box that you read, they really haven't done the job. The food pyramid hasn't worked. And even programs like five-a-day fruit and vegetable initiatives, nothing has really stopped. So the government's been pretty inept. And then you throw in this onslaught of diet books, diet plans, resolutions to exercise more. And none of it seems to have worked. So what I'm talking about here is I don't really care who's to blame anymore. Let's move to the next level and get down to who could really fix this situation. I've noticed a lot of restaurant chains are beginning to promote the healthier choices on their menus. But you say they really don't want you to order those items. Why not? And what are some of the tricks used to get diners to not pay attention to those healthy choices? First of all, they do offer healthier choices right now on the menus. A lot of those are done for business purposes. I mean, a good example would be these salads that are offered in fast food restaurants. I mean, McDonald's offers a really good Asian chicken salad. And if you really ask the executives at McDonald's, what they really would say to you is, you know, they wouldn't mind if they sold more of those because they're highly profitable. They're actually more profitable than selling some of the hamburger sandwiches they sell. So they really have the opportunity now to take those kind of items or to modify the hamburgers, the fries, the way the beverages are marketed and served in a way that they can still make a lot of profit and yet start skewing them to help the consumer eat much better than they've been doing in the past. Let's talk a bit about schools. How hard is it for kids to get a good nutritious meal at a school today? Well, I think part of it starts with the government itself. When they put together a school lunch program, geez, over 50 years ago, their goal was to make sure kids had enough nutrition and enough calories. So they were coming at it from the other direction. 
they're trying to make sure that everyone put enough in their belly, so to speak. And that seems to run counter to what we're trying to do right now, and the school system hasn't quite adapted to that original law. And then secondly, there's other things going on in schools. There are some good initiatives going on in the vending machines. I mean, a number of groups, the American Beverage Association, Coke and Pepsi, and the Clinton Foundation, and I believe the American Heart Association, got together to limit soft drinks. In fact, they took them out in elementary and middle schools, and they put in some lower-calorie or water-type beverages in there. So they seem to be helping on that front. I think now's time for the snack manufacturers to get with the same kind of program and have lower-calorie snacks in there because it's kind of like a movie theater. You're a captive audience in a school, and you rely on the vending machines, and if there's junk there or very high calories there, that's all they have to get at. So... I see that change happening in the school system. I also think that a lot of kids are allowed to go off campus and go out to the fast food outlets and have a large lunch. I think the fast food folks that are near schools can do some things that perhaps don't offer the food menu or at least manage the calories that are offered in their particular product lineup. The common wisdom is that healthier food is both less tasty and more expensive than the typical restaurant fare. Is that true? And if so, what can be done to turn that around? Well, that's the myth I'm trying to attack here because realistically, there's so much that we can do today to make our products healthier and not necessarily have to cost as much. It's true that, for instance, if you look at fruits and vegetables, they tend to be more expensive. I mean, unless you're buying corn or soy products, fruits and vegetables can be way off the charts. In terms of their expenses, they don't get government subsidies, they have transportation costs, they're perishable, so they tend to be pricey. As far as what the food industry can be doing, I'm a believer that to ask somebody to start eating Brussels sprouts on Monday and bottle water when they're cranking down lots of soft drinks and fast foods all day long is an unrealistic proposition, and that's why I believe diet plans fail. I think rather the first step for all of us to take What we do is we ask those folks to cut down on their portion sizes. I mean, that's the first step. I view these gargantuan portions that are out there, whether they're monster thick burgers or supersized beverages, they're what I call weapons of mass consumption. And it's very difficult for the consumer to resist those because consumers not only want taste, but they also want a value. So we're fighting those tug of war, if you would. But what can be done very simply is... Maybe we're not necessarily going purely to healthy, but I really think it's most important that we find a way to cut down on the calories. So ways we can do that literally tomorrow morning are, for instance, if we snack, we all snack, to try these 100-calorie packs that are out there right now. So you can find Oreos and goldfish and maybe some chocolate in there in a 100-calorie pack, and they've done some recent research at the University of Colorado that actually shows that those who eat only out of those 100-calorie packs take in about 120 less calories a day than those who gorge on the open big box. So again, this is something tomorrow morning the manufacturers can do and make money. The consumer doesn't have to sacrifice what they're used to eating. And it's kind of a win-win circumstance. And we get people moving in the direction where they take in less portion size. Another thing that could be done in fast food restaurants or that, again, it's in their economic interest to get you to supersize because the beverages are pretty cheap. So the larger the beverage, the more profit they could make. So if supersizing is good for them, why don't we 
have them promote products like Coke Zero or Diet Pepsi, which have no calories. The consumer wouldn't be giving up anything. Again, people don't realize they walk out of a fast food restaurant with those big cups and they have anywhere from three to 600 calories in them. People just don't think like that. Education per se, while necessary and informative and a good thing to do, that's not going to solve the problem. I mean, part of my personal mission is to spend time with the corporations and demonstrate ways that they could go make their money and do the right thing at the same time. I have no naivety that they will do it out of altruism because they are in business to make a profit. So, okay, how do you make a profit or even more profit by doing what's right for your customer? And perhaps more compelling is that if they don't do it, they may start losing customers because what happens with obesity, which leads to diabetes and premature heart disease, is that they're going to start losing more and more customers, and that's not good for business. So if you don't do it for the right reason, then do it for greed. Our guest today is Hank Cardello, co-author of Stuffed, an insider's look at who's really making America fat. Is there a website that listeners can go to to get more information? Absolutely. They can go to stuffednation.com. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks.